annual general meeting of Australian Wool Innovation is when the wool industry's research, development and marketing body reports on the gains achieved and the challenges ahead for the wool industry it serves, as is the annual report. And the full meeting and the annual report can be seen at wool.com. But as the world emerges from this pandemic, it's a very different place from just a few years ago. So let's hear the highlights from this year's annual general meeting. Welcome to The Yarn. It's a podcast for the Australian wool industry. I'm Marius Cumming. So later we'll hear from marketing and on-farm research areas, but first, AWI Chairman Jock Laurie acknowledged the natural disasters that have bookended 2022, from fires in the west to severe and extensive flooding in the east, coupled with the strong COVID restrictions being placed still in China that's affecting both our biggest processing and our biggest consuming market. But in our biggest trading partner when it comes to wool China, there's still some strong restrictions which are, which are limiting the domestic activity when it comes to uh, purchasing a product there. And that's having, without any doubt, having an impact on the, on the wool market. Uh, and we can only hope that the Chinese continue managing the problem and get their vaccination rates up at what you're talking about. And then we can really start to see those volumes uh, lift again. And if we can, we can see that flow through into the market. They're a tremendous partner of the Australian wool industry. We've been saying this on a regular basis. They uh, have been very, very strong through the COVID period. Uh, we've been selling a lot of raw wool, a lot of our raw wool going back into, into China. Uh, and the Australian wool industry, you know, are very thankful for the amount of support that they provided to the industry. So we'd really like to see them work their way through this and come out the other end, come out very strongly. And there's certainly some predictions around the fact that, or hope around the fact that that'll be happening in the first or second quarter next year. Uh, global inflation as it sits at the moment, obvious problem. And, and sitting in that inflation, the thing that operates, you know, just about everything that's going on being energy, price, energy prices and interest rates. And energy prices, quite frankly, in all of the processing sector, we've got a long supply chain, everything we do, we've got a component of energy and that and energy is extremely dear throughout the process. So that's making it very competitive. Uh, and new Australian government, one of the things about the new Australian government is understanding around carbon, around methane. So. We need to acknowledge the fact that that work's going on and what we can do to actually make sure that we can measure that properly, see what research can be done there to continue to remove some of those methane emissions, which is what we're doing with some Asparagopolis research and how that can be applied. And we've got some government supporting grants in the budget to fit on the support of about three of our projects, I think. And then take that right through to the end product so that it's got absolute in, in, integrity when it comes to this, because people want to understand the things that they're buying, uh, what it is. And I think the uh, the PEF legislation over in the European Parliament, uh, product environmental footprinting, is a good example of potentially where things can go. So we, getting onto the front foot and being able to manage that as best we can, I think is uh, smart and prudent. I think the company can do that. And I think one of the great attributes here and, um, is that a lot of the traceability stuff has already been developed by the company. It was developed by the company through the WoolQ network. And I know WoolQ people seem to think it's just a marketing platform, but there was always a secondary component of that which is around the traceability. Part. And that development now is really coming to coming to fore and allowing us to utilise that and develop some of this product. So I think we're in a very strong position to take that forward with the researchers and your investment that's already been done there uh, historically. As with all of these things, if we go forward in the sustainability space, we want the industry across the board to be able to come out and support it. And that means from you know the exporter sector, the broker sector, the wool grower sector, right through the supply chain, because it's about delivering good outcomes all the way through. And what we want to be able to do is work with everybody to make sure that we can get them on board to support that. And if we can get that 
then we can take it forward and take it forward with strong industry support, then we can make sure that the system actually works. But, but traceability, sustainability, absolutely critical. Emissions are being spoken about absolutely everywhere and we need to be cautious and we need to be understand with that long supply chain uh, what our emissions are and what, what research we can actually do or what work we can do to help minimise that all the time. What we need to do is show incremental change and if we can continue to show incremental change and show that the industry is prepared to invest all the way through, then I think that we can continue to have support in the industry and we, we recognise the problem we deal with the problem, I think we can do that. So then when we come back to, <clears throat> back to some of the local challenges, they're the big international challenges that are driving. Come back to the local challenges, I've spoken about competition for the acreage space and that'll continue to happen. But one of the things that's creating the, the problems when it comes to competition are the big issues that are in Australian wool industry at the moment and that is around the shearing space. And while um, we're getting evidence that that, um, that problem's being alleviated to a certain extent, some of the work that's been done, it is still a massive problem in some areas across Australia. And the cost of shearing has, uh, has really become a, a big cost in many uh, sectors where people are now seriously having a look at whether it's worthwhile continuing. Certainly in the meat sheep sector at the broader end, the market's very disappointing and in many cases I think the cost of shearing is not being covered by the, the wool that's being taken off them. So we're, we're well aware of that well aware of the, uh, of the difficulties. So we've invested heavily in the shearing space and we will continue to invest. I think a commitment about six months ago for about $10.5 million the next three years from that time uh, for learner training and uh, novice training in sheds and sheds staff training. That is uh, a long-term commitment so that we can set programs in place to actually really try and drive the numbers up. Uh, in the end, it all comes down to supply and demand. We need to have enough shearers uh, to shear the sheep that are there. We need to have flexibility from the, uh, from the um, wool growers to a certain extent so that they know how to utilise the staff that are there and we can keep them busy uh, and occupied 12 months a year and all of those things are going to be very important. In the end, wool growing must remain profitable because if we don't remain profitable and we will keep people in the game, we will not be able to meet the challenges of, of other commodities when it comes to utilising land use. So everything we're doing needs to be focused very much on delivering that profitability. And so out of that comes back to the marketing campaigns. And then, so we've got marketing campaigns and R&D campaigns. And certainly from the marketing campaigns, number one thing is about creating demand. There's no point doing marketing campaigns just to make ourselves feel good. We've got to do marketing campaigns that actually deliver real outcomes, uh, build demand for the product and then pull it through the system. And once we pull it through the system, we'll see that start to be reflected in the market. Uh, and especially when economies are getting up and getting going. So. Ideally, we continue to do that, but at the same time we need to defend the fibre. And I was talking about the PEF legislation not long ago. The PEF legislation, which is potentially sitting in the European Parliament, um, AWI has put it together a substantial campaign called the Make the Label Count campaign and done a lot of work in the European Parliament to make sure that any analysis of this, and we spoke about this last year, any analysis of this is done in a fair and reasonable fashion and not being seen as you know, completely dismissing the great attributes of the natural fibre wool. The shearing issue is the number one issue for us across Australia. Really critical that we can actually allow people to get their sheep shorn, get them sheep properly, get them, get them shorn at a price that is fair and reasonable. And some of the escalating prices around shearing that we're hearing is uh, doing incredible damage to people and driving them away from the industry at the moment. And I think while there's opportunities being taken, that's fine. Uh, but what we are doing is really seeing a challenge when it comes to people wanting to stay in the industry because of the cost that's being associated with that. Uh, I think the, the reality of all of this also is that we're working in a very constrained uh, financial environment. One and a half percent of the last wool pile, that's a decision of wool growers, that's fine. So, but what it does is take, it takes 25 percent of our income away and we now need to manage 
manage the company and we have downsized the company and we'll continue to manage the company on a on nearly a daily basis when it comes to financial issues, monitoring what's going on, having discussions. I can say that I've worked in a few different organisations, but the staff at AWI are very focused on delivering an outcome. They're very proud of the work they do. AWI Chairman Jock Laurie. So CEO John Roberts outlined the company's developments in the ballooning area of sustainability and traceability. It's a great opportunity for wool. We believe most Australian wool growers already have a multitude of highly desirable credentials and on-farm practices specific to their regions, which are currently in many cases not being captured or showcased. This, this can include anything from minimal chemical use, native pastures, use of pain relief, or whether they're just involved in, already involved in an integrity scheme, or just even if they're, they're sheep of free range. We never even talk about that a lot of the time. So I think sometimes we underestimate uh, how little our global audience know about how we care for our animals and the land, and we seem to focus on the negatives. I think it's time we can capture a lot of the positives that we do and, and really showcase that. What's, what is important is the wool industry take control of the, of the narrative in this space. The rules and the methodologies, as I said, haven't been set yet, and, and we have a limited opportunity right now to position Australian wool fairly and transparently. One thing that's for certain is if we don't take control of this space, someone's going to do it for us. The last thing we need is, is, or can afford is a ream of eco-legislation imposed upon us from overseas that has little understanding or sympathy for the growing of wool and for our incredible story as an industry. On this basis, it's critical that we work collaboratively as an industry, as the Chairman's mentioned, um, to agree and control this narrative. Um, we need to make sure we can provide answers for our government and for our overseas customers. The other focus is to ensure that, that uh, this doesn't come um, with additional impost on wool growers. It needs to be a low-touch, data-driven solution with minimal costs and admin. We already have the building blocks within the industry. We just need to create this interoperability. And a key part of this is obviously validating these claims through, through, through solid, sound traceability. Unsubstantiated promises uh, on a swing tag won't suffice uh, going forward, and our new Gen Z customers are going to demand digitally evidenced attributes as a key part of their purchasing decision. AWI is going to work with industry uh, to develop this system. We're really pleased with the work we've been able to do with AWEX in, in the consolidation of the, of the eSpecy, which will represent the start of that data journey. And I'll take this opportunity to thank Mark Rave and the AWEX team for the constructive approach they've taken to this point. But this is just one part of this, this, whole, this whole piece. As mentioned, there already exists a number of highly sophisticated data building blocks in the wool industry, including the work done by AWEX, AWTA and ourselves in the form of WoolQ. These investments have already been made. The key is to have, have them working together um, and between each, each of them, we will need to have a seamless flow of, of immutable data and traceability. Um, this will not only flow, flow into commercial opportunities in terms of provenance, but it also ensures we're well prepared as an industry to combat any form of exotic disease outbreak. And I think the FMD scare we, we, we all saw this year, year was sort of highlighted the need for this and the, the need to actually isolate bales of wool. Uh, in, in, in the event of an incursion, so we can actually shut down a portion of the trade rather than the entire trade. The work we've done on wool queue traceability uh, can have a role in capturing these credentials, but it's been built for industry 
uh, and for the, benef the benefit of all industry and all participants. It can feed into the blockchain work we've been doing with Everledger, which we're looking forward to uh, having available to our brand partners and our licensee partners overseas by the middle of next year. But again, it's part of the broader picture. We must agree as an industry whether we wish to take control of this space or wait for it to be imposed upon us. AWI's door is open. We've been moving in this space for quite some time, but we can't move alone. And we strongly encourage all participants in the industry to look just not you know, beyond their own businesses and look at the industry, the betterment of the industry in the long term so we can all remain relevant. We're 1% of global textiles, if that. We're, we, there are highly lucrative uh, competing land uses out there and Australian primary producers have, have choices and our global customers have fibre choices too. We've got a product that can meet their needs. Uh, if we work together, we'll get it right. So I urge all, all stakeholders in the industry to really, really work, come to us and we'll, we want to work with everybody we possibly can in this space because it is an opportunity. Strengthening the supply chain was the fifth pillar. Now this, this uh, involves not only working with our existing supply chain partners in, in China, India and Europe, but also expanding wool processing opportunities in new jurisdictions. Key markets we've been looking at in, in our emerging market strategy are Vietnam, although that's, that's well and truly up and running, we've been doing that for a long time, but Cambodia, Bangladesh and we're also uh, putting a bit of attention into Indonesia in the coming, in the coming six months. Um, we're also involved in the industry uh, support, supported feasibility study uh, on putting processing back in Australia, and that's been coordinated by Wool Producers Australia. Um, we're going to look at uh, how that, that, that progresses. The, the, the results from the, the round one of that, that study have been interesting. Um, the, the scouring component looks compelling, and it's, it's certainly something that I think we're going to keep looking at. In addition to looking at new markets, we've also got to help the existing markets. The sustainability push that I spoke about before is also finding its way to the supply chain and they have to show progress in this area too. Providing them with sustainable innovations uh, is going to be key for their own survival. So these innovations like flatbed knitting with zero waste hitting the cutting floor, digital printing, uh, waterless dyes, um, natural dyes are some of, the, some of the innovations that we're trying to bring to our supply chain partners to help them keep using wool and, and also push their own story. AWI CEO John Roberts there and you may be aware of the campaign earlier this year urging people to wear wool as a natural fibre relative to synthetic clothing made from fossil fuels. So the General Manager of Marketing and Communication is Laura Armstrong and she explains just how the campaign was received globally. We have been delighted the campaign has been embraced not only by the whole fashion industry but the wool industry itself. It's really, um, it's really galvanised everybody that works within the industry. We've generated now 71 million views on this campaign and 650 media clips, which have led to the sense of virality around the content. But those numbers are all well and good. The, the objective here was to change consumer attitudes and consumer behaviour around wool. We went back out to market to um, interview uh, audiences after they've seen the campaign. How, how has it changed you? How has it made you feel? Because of this advert, I will consider wearing wool more often. 80% of consumers in America have said that. 77% of consumers in the UK have said that. 79% of consumers who saw the ad will now consider wearing wool more often in France. Because of this advert, 
I will consider wearing synthetic clothing less. We're talking about nearly three quarters of the people that seen the ad globally have said they will now consider wearing synthetic clothing less because of the messaging that we propagated. And then finally, because of this ad, I consider wool good for the environment, which was really our fundamental objective with this campaign. And stunningly, 84% of consumers in America, and I guess the US market is probably our most challenging market when we go out with the sustainability message, 84% um, of them said, yes, I now consider wool is better for the environment since seeing the ad. So just in summary, we are, you know, we're really delighted with the progress we've made. This is a long-term strategy. You're not going to change consumer behavior overnight. This was step one. Step one was education. Step two is now taking those consumers who have been influenced and converted and giving them a path to purchase. And that's what you'll, you'll see from us in the next coming six to 12 months. Then taking another approach to brand campaigns, we have the Australia campaign. We've, read, we've mentioned uh, this, ter this term radical transparency. And the reality is the whole world will soon care about where their wool jumper comes from. And they'll be concerned about Australia and they'll want to know more about the Australian wool industry. And our job is to make Australia synonymous with the best wool in the world. And to do that, we need to make Aussies believe that first and foremost. It has to start at home. And there's many case studies across marketing that have proven the value of this. Um, I love to use the Guinness reference because Guinness market heavily to the Irish at home. And I tell you what, you do not need to tell an Irish person that Guinness makes the best pint in the world. We already know. But they still spend their money there because that local patriotism behind a brand is almost invaluable. Every time a tourist comes into Ireland, they'll probably order a pint of Guinness. Every time an Irish person goes overseas, they'll encourage you to order a pint of Guinness. So that's what we need to capture. And I mean, the Korean skincare market, the Koreans now dominate that cosmetic industry because they've also bought into this. You walk down a street in Seoul and the investment behind Korean cosmetics is astounding. So that regional exceptionalism strategy, we believe, will pay off for us. So we need to start investing in Australian marketing again. We do this with a very humble budget because we have a limited audience here and a limited opportunity for purchase. Um, so we've definitely, it's not near the, the money that we would spend on the global eco campaign, but the results that we have achieved just this year have been promising. That campaign was viewed 3.5 million times, which is all well and good again. How has it changed consumer behavior and consumer perception? So after viewing that campaign, we have increased um, the intention to buy Australian wool amongst younger consumers by 63%. That is quite astonishing for a small campaign. In terms of com the impact on action, according to viewers who viewed the campaign before and after, their intent to purchase Australian Merino wool performance wear lifted by 94%. And their intention to pay more for Australian wool <laughs> products lifted by 79%. So whilst that particular campaign didn't have a direct commerce plugin, it still has upped their intention to invest and support Australian Merino wool. That's stage one. Stage two is now we will roll out a retail extension through the new autumn winter season. General Manager of Marketing and Communication at AWI, Laura Armstrong. And the General Manager of Research is Jane Littlejohn. She gave the AWI AGM 
an overview of research, including the number one research issue. The Flystrike uh, program includes Flystrike vaccine efficacy, which in laboratory setting was shown to be 75% uh, efficacy, but early live sheep trials are under 20%. Flystrike genomic data from struck and non-struck sheep and analysis has increased with the MLP research flocks, but more data will be needed to improve the accuracy of sheep breeding tools for Flystrike resistance. We have committed to a trial of sterile insect release on Kangaroo Island um, and a pilot trial of permanent laser crutching. We continue to improve the knowledge about chemical resistance and management recommendations. Flystrike extension programs are now being rolled out uh, with Demistafly, it's Fly Time, Simplify, and will we be including breeding programs or breeding tools and moving to uh, non-mules uh, um, programs in the current strategic period. Surveys are showing a clear trend to less numbers of growers relying on mulesing, with the current survey showing 52% of respondents mulesing merino ewe lambs and 20% saying that they will stop by 2026. Our flystrike investment in tools and education for reduced reliance on mulesing, crutching and chemicals are essential, as is future tracking of grower intentions and including any intentions to switch from wool, switch their micron or change the amount of kilos they're producing. Our other productivity programs are in methane mitigation, sheep genetics, reproductive efficiency and vertebrate pest management, but they are also sustainability programs targeting the environmental footprint of wool growing through methane emissions reductions, emissions intensity reduction through genetic and reproductive efficiency and biodiversity from managing vertebrate pests. Consumers may not know about fly strike, but they've certainly heard of the words climate crisis and methane. The proportion of uh, greenhouse gases from across the life of a wool garment that come from the farm are 57% and that is in our sites for investment. We can't ignore methane if we want to keep wool relevant to consumers and brands. We received a recent headline grabbing 1.5 million cash grant from the Australian Government as part of a $4 million multi-party collaboration to mitigate methane through several supplements, not just asparagopsis, and those supplements will hopefully improve digestive efficiency. However, um, you know, we're also uh, calculating and appropriately using the industry emissions intensity um, calculations using the GWP STAR method, which is a 10-year methane life cycle, uh, lifespan. We're calculating and educating the consumer about emissions reductions from best practice wool garment care, evidencing the inaccuracies in the EU PEF environmental footprint, and we did have a win with it, it now being uh, a cradle to grave assessment, but we still have to make improvements to the methodology and data sets. We're researching genetic tools for feed efficiency and also low methane pastures. We're measuring the natural capital 
in biodiversity and carbon storage on farm. We're providing evidence for wool as 100% biodegradable with zero microplastics and evidence of wool recycling for manufacturers seeking improvement in their participation in the circular economy. We're also promoting grower surveys where 52% uh, are saying they generate and use renewable energy and 24% did practice carbon emissions reductions on farm. Of course, we're also boosting our, fiber, uh, uh, our messages for marketing through our fibre science research, which continues to prove wellness and performance from wearing wool. That's for sleep, skin health, odour management, temperature management and flame resistance. Our research for wool harvesting has expanded and diversified to include simple and complex technologies and their foundations for new systems or tweaks for existing systems to encourage labour supply and diversify how, how wool is harvested and diversify the workforce. We've approved funds for the development of the new naturally occurring compound for biological wool weakening and we're awaiting the proposal for a handheld or an automated device for wool harvesting that weakened fibre. We've made inroads in automated image analysis and artificial intelligence for measuring the staple and assessing and skirting the fleece. Avoiding back injury has a very broad focus through uh, the back muscle sensing system or prototype um, and upright posture shearing platform design, blow patterns and training. The AWI race delivery equipment, which might be called the catch and drag system, um, eliminates catch and drag and it's both an automated and a manual version. It was successfully launched and promoted in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and WA at field days. It utterly changes the injury trigger of catch and tip and drag and it's now fully commercialised. There's over 50 units from five manufacturers that are either in use, sold or hired, or on order. Growers are incorporating the module or race delivery concept into their own shed designs and um, some of the, the manufacturing companies are designing full shed setups with those um, race delivery equipment up to 10, uh, 12 stands. Last year, over 4,000 novice and intermediate trainees participated in AWI shearer training. The learner shearer kits have been mentioned. 223 of those toolkits were given to novice stands last financial year with three follow-up training sessions and monitoring learning to monitor learner improvement and those training sessions are ongoing. I acknowledge Stephen Fain and his staff in the shearing area for their work and successes in wool harvesting, training technology uptake, uh, demonstrations and research. And thanks to my own research team for their work across the sheep production and fibre science areas and their continued support for advancement of wool growing. Jane Littlejohn there, General Manager of Research at AWI, rounding out the highlights of the AGM this year. 
The complete video of the event can be seen at wool.com. So I hope you've found that informative. From me, Marius Cumming, thanks for having a yarn.